Hello, everyone, and welcome to my podcast, Body Justice. I started this podcast because I believe that all bodies are good bodies. All bodies are deserving, worthy, and all bodies are whole, just as they are. In today's world, it's ever hard to embody this as our truth. My mission is to create a space to process body image, eating disorders, and relationships through a justice-oriented lens. I'm a licensed therapist in California and an eating disorder survivor myself. I know what it's like to be at war with myself and also to find peace again. Thank you for being here and I look forward to being your host. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Body Justice. Today, we're going to be talking about some of the unique challenges folks with chronic illness and autoimmune issues face while in eating disorder recovery. Um, This is a super important topic um, because folks with chronic illnesses can have special considerations for recovery um, that the general public really lacks a lot of knowledge on. Um, This is an underserved community that deserves a lot more attention and care. Um, And I'm super excited because I have therapist Lacey Rayleigh here today who specializes um, in this population and she's just going to educate us all. Um, So I'm super excited to talk with her. We met on Instagram and she just seems so passionate and educated about this work. Um, Lacey, can you tell us a little bit about you, who you are, what you do, how you identify? Yeah, well, thank you so much for having me. Um, I am so happy to be talking about this. Um, I am very passionate about this subject. And so just a little about me, I have a master's of marriage and family therapy. I'm a pre-licensed therapist. Um, I specialize in body image, media trauma, religious and spiritual trauma, uh, perfectionism, and then the chronic illness aspect as well. Um, I'm a part of a group practice in Nashville, Tennessee that also specializes in disordered eating and eating disorders. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's kind of what we're doing. Um, I, I know that we're going to get into to so many different questions and kind of specifics of it, but I wanted to kind of lay out a little bit chronic illness and autoimmune issues. Chronic illness is kind of the umbrella that autoimmune, autoimmune issues kind of reside under. Um, but chronic illness isn't necessarily autoimmune things. And so there, there is a little bit of a nuance there, but think diabetes, fibromyalgia, SIBO, celiac disease, all of these things are under like all of these different umbrellas. And so it's really important. I identify as someone who is disabled in this way. Disabled isn't a bad word. And so, um, just bringing that education and making it, it it gets a little confusing. There's a lot of terms in there. So just wanted to kind of start off by saying that it's okay if you don't really know what specifically this Mm -hmm. is. There's a lot to know. Yes, that's so helpful. I think, you know, I didn't even really know what autoimmune issues were until someone in my family, um, you know, we figured out that they have them. And so it's kind of a genetic trait in my family too. Um, Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, that that's a part of your identity as well. And I'm sure that's kind of fueled your passion for this, for this field and this issue. Yeah. 100%. It, 
it's it's funny um just my own journey um that's kind of where this came from I was already in mental health I was already becoming a therapist I was already doing all of this and just trying to find resources for myself it's like Mm -hmm. oh there are none (laughs) it's sad I mean it's not funny it's sad but you know and so that is kind of what what brought us here and there are a lot of people trying to talk more about this so yeah Yeah, can you tell tell us just a little bit about how chronic illness gets left out of the picture in the recovery community yeah so this this subject the the umbrella makes recovery so much harder it's it's more complicated it's more complex it's inaccessible there's there's lack of things to help but there's also lack of knowledge so it's definitely one thing that I'm really passionate about and just kind of as a blanket statement is we say in recovery you are more than a body and that's very true but chronic illness and autoimmune people we're suffering in a way that disconnects us from our body and I I think we'll get into that a little bit later too but the lack of knowledge is really centered around the fact that a lot of chronic illness comes from trauma and there's that's what the research tells us is that people who have chronic illnesses a lot of the time it's directly impacted by trauma so it's it's really important for us to acknowledge that trauma doesn't just change our brain it also changes our body and we are holding this in our body and it comes out in different ways and so um it our journey looks a little different but it's still valid and a lot of the a lot of the things concerning food get really complicated because food directly impacts symptoms and how you know kind of the quote wellness realm and how um, people operate in the world so um it i think the biggest thing that gets left out is i guess on on social media, you see all of the great posts about how cauliflower isn't bread, bell pepper isn't a bun, all that. And you're right. You're so right. I cannot <laughs> tell you how right you are. And I think that those conversations are so needed because there that is a part of diet culture is replacing all of our nutritious food with a little piece of lettuce and so that there is absolutely need to have these conversations um and talk about that but at the same time it kind of marginalizes a group of people who don't have access to the same food and so recovery has to look different and we have to kind of expand our language around that like I am never going to be able to say I oh I'm fully recovered and therefore I want pizza tonight. I'm just going to order a pizza. It's like mm. oh it gets it's way more complicated than that for some people, but that's okay. We just have to, you know, the the awareness around it and how we talk about things. There just needs to be a little bit more compassion for, you know, people who can't access all the same things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Oh, I think you summarize that so perfectly because I think I find myself even like 
you know, I get nervous when I get a client that has autoimmune or chronic illness issues that requires certain dietary changes because it gets so, it's so convoluted with like the wellness industry yeah. and diet industry. And they've just totally like taken advantage, I feel like, of that population. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. I mean, can you speak on that? Like, how does that work when someone does need specific dietary changes and how does that complicate eating disorder recovery? Yeah, it, it, you're right. It's uh, really tricky. I totally want to validate your, any clinician's anxiety around this because it's so specific to the person and the diagnosis and the process. And it, it is not going to be the same answer for every single person. It's a challenge to get any answers when you have a chronic illness and so it makes sense that you as a provider also want to provide answers because that that's one of the main parts is there just are no answers. And so I, I totally see that anxiety and that's absolutely valid. And just know that it's really not, it, it's not your job to find all of these answers for people, but at the same time, you are helping them and you are working with them while they find the answers with all of their clinicians. And so um, working with a, a treatment team is definitely best, but again, that's often inaccessible for people. That, that is really expensive. Um, you know, if you have insurance, that's great, but also insurance isn't inaccessible. So, you know, there's a lot of layers to it, but the, the restriction in eating disorders that's obviously a huge topic and it's a huge concern and in diet culture in general. But when you have a chronic illness, understanding that you are still intuitive, you are still listening to your intuition while you are figuring out what foods do not work with your body. And so I would argue that people with chronic illnesses are more intuitive because we have to listen to our bodies in a different way. It's not just, I'm going to listen to my body saying that I'm hungry right now. I have to listen to it in, you know, there are different symptoms that can happen in weekly cycles, monthly cycles, daily cycles. I mean, you can have random symptoms at any time during the day. And so figuring out what your body's trying to tell you in those moments, it's, it's really, really hard. It's a process. It can be really, really defeating and discouraging, but just having clinicians who understand that there's, there's the dialectics in there of accepting where you are and accepting your body, connecting with your body while also saying, there is room for growth. We can try to figure some stuff out. You know, what do you want your health journey to look like? I think that's the biggest question we can offer people with chronic illnesses because there is that lack of autonomy. Um, mm -hmm. And in recovery, so many people trying to sell chronically ill and autoimmune people um, products and like a magic cure, mm -hmm. those sorts of things. Um, it's... It, it's so complicated. I keep saying that, but it is. it's just so complicated. There's so many layers. And a lot of the time, the recommendations for people in terms of food, it does sound like restriction. Like, I mean, for a lot of autoimmune people, we're 
advise not to eat anything with onion and garlic. Like try try yes. to find something, a product that you don't have to make from scratch that doesn't have onion and garlic. Like that's ridiculous. <laughs> and so it's not just, you know, you think of autoimmune and you think of celiacs and it's like, oh, well, gluten. And there, there are tons of gluten-free products and, you know, that's great. And I, I'm so glad that there's a lot of gluten-free products, but it's, it is unfortunately a lot more complicated than that. And it's different for every single person. And even if someone can have grains or rice or, you know, they can have gluten, that doesn't mean that they won't develop symptoms and that isn't subject to change, unfortunately. So um, talking in terms of the, the kind of magic cure mindset that does create such a distrust with your body. And so just mm-hmm. reiterating that no body is a problem to be solved. My physical body is not a problem. And mm-hmm. that has to be true with people with chronic illnesses too. Holding again, the dialectics of it saying, I accept my body right now and all the things that it does for me. It keeps me alive. It keeps me here. It keeps me able to experience joy in the things that I love. And it also, you know, sometimes it kind of sucks and that's okay. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I love that you're saying that because I feel like with, you know, like healthism trends, there's just such a morality attached to the idea of health. Um, And it, it really creates shame for people that health is going to be fluctuating. I mean, for everyone, health is fluctuating. Yeah. Like we go through colds and flus and we get ill. It's like a part of life. But, you know, for someone with chronic illness or autoimmune, it's like having this like ideal that we should be healthy all the time. It's like, that's so shaming and um, I don't know, so dehumanizing. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of grief work in there I would say that's another like hallmark thing issue struggle with working with uh, chronic illness and autoimmune within their recovery community Um, recovering from an eating disorder there's already so many layers of grief just in grieving what your eating disorder was doing for you whatever control you were gaining from it Um, I mean it was a coping although it wasn't working. (laughs) Um, But there is grief in that. And there's grief in the fat phobia of it too, just grieving that the, the body image aspect, all of that. And then you put the chronic illness with it as well. And it's grieving a whole different aspect of life. What does my life look like now? What can I do? What are my limitations? Um, grieving that I grieving the fact that I can't order pizza like that's really really Mm -hmm. hard (laughs) I have to cook all my stuff and that's not fun like you know it it's Mm -hmm. it's so much grief work surrounding body and food Um, yeah it's there are layers of that and it, it definitely does feel like restriction it feels Um, it feels almost like you can't separate yourself from diet culture in a way. And so Mm -hmm. the grief in that too, just, just saying that where I am and what my body needs from me sometimes may look like 
restriction to other people. And I, I think some clinicians get hung up on that. The mm-hmm. end goal is not to, for people with chronic illness, the end goal, number one, is their end goal. You need to ask them what their goals are. Um, but the end goals are not to just magically get rid of a chronic illness or an autoimmune uh, disease or disorder. It is to live a full life. And so if that mm-hmm. involves having to buy a certain brand of cookie that they can have, that's fine. That's not, that's not necessarily a problem um, that mm-hmm. your client can't eat certain things. Yes, I love that you mention that part because I think in myself included, like it, it's hard to tease out like what is eating disorder restrictive and what is like genuine, you need this to function and live a full life. Um, Cause I think sometimes it can mirror like signs of orthorexia, you know, like becoming obsessive with, with health, quote unquote, health foods. Um, How do you, how do you tease out the two? Cause I know you mentioned a little bit ago that you would argue that people with autoimmune issues and chronic illness while in recovery are in fact more become more intuitive in that way because they're still responding to their body's needs it just is going to be different than someone without those issues how do you tease out like what is intuitive and then what crosses the line to like orthorexia this is such a huge issue and there really really needs to be way more research and education in this area um, even for people with the the issues, it, it's really hard to know because it is an aspect of demanding that your sickness be treated with intention and like be treated seriously. Because, you know, in in the recovery community, we have like, we're like, well, you have to believe that you're quote sick enough. I hear that so often and I agree, but in when you have a chronic illness too there's another layer of that as well and well I just like well I just like can't eat this and sometimes I have these symptoms but like I'm okay I'm okay and so I'm not that sick like people don't really have to know all of my needs like I can take care of my needs that's the that's the narrative that happens and it develops that you can't you can't allow people to support you And I would say in my experience, that is the number one sign of orthorexia that is, that could be a blanket statement is when you are not allowing other people to support you in any way, like you have to physically prepare and watch with your own eyeballs of every single process of a food that you consume or else you won't consume it. That is a problem. So we we have needs mm-hmm. and they have to be explicitly stated and they have to be shared with people who can help you. Um, but if you're not allowing people to help you, if if the people who you trust still cannot make any food for you and you don't trust that they've done it right or good enough or, you know, what if this utensil has touched this thing like yesterday, that's mm-hmm. where it gets really and so it becomes more about the cleanliness of 
ingredients, um, plates, utensils, those sorts of things like cross-contamination. Um, but at the same time, we have to validate that those are really, really real fears because it's we're not talking like, I'm going to eat something and then, oh no, like I have a mild headache for like an hour. It's like, if you accidentally eat something that's a trigger food for you, it could take you out for a week. And that's really consequential for work Mm -hmm. and for if you're in school, you know, anything. And no one wants to be sick for that long uh, without their consent. Yeah, Yeah, I didn't consent to be, Mm -hmm. to have my trigger food. And so, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I would say the only like common characteristic that I can say as more of a blanket statement would be that that trust, not not allowing the people who are there to support you and help you take care of you um, through your chronic illness journey, not allowing those people to actually touch any of your food. Mm-hmm. That seems like such an important like distinction to make because it, and it makes sense. Like I'm just putting myself in that position. Like if I had a chronic illness or autoimmune issue and it required these kind of dietary restrictions, um, I can see why the person would feel that way and feel that fear of having someone else do the preparation because it's like that if that's the kind of marker of like, am I going to be sick for the next week or not? Like, it makes so much sense why anxiety would be wrapped up in that and why there could be this like obsessive controlling kind of feature with it. It's protective to the person in a way. And so in that, in recovery uh, with a team, we really want to focus on um, how we can set people up to thrive in that way, how how people can communicate their needs in a way that is actually meaningful. It's not like, oh, well, I can't have that. I can't have that. That, Are you sure this wasn't, you know, exposed to something, you know, uh, a meaningful way that, you know, maybe you and your partner or you and your family can cook together and they can learn that way. And if you write stuff out for your, your family or support, things like just ways to kind of, problem solve and allow people to support you in that way. Yeah, that makes complete sense. Um, When you, you know, it's a common thing in recovery that we build a treatment team for our clients. And usually that's a therapist, dietitian, um, recovery coach, psychiatrist, you know, whatever that person needs. How might that treatment team look different for someone with chronic illness or autoimmune issues? It can look different in a lot of ways, but I would say that people, uh, practitioners who work with chronic illness might be uh, even a little bit less likely to view, uh, like to have a health at every size stance, unfortunately. Um, Mm -hmm. It does feel, even in the, the chronic illness realm, it does feel very health elitist, like, we can cure you uh, terminology. And so I would be really yeah, careful yeah. Um, if you are working with a team and you have like a, um, oh gosh, the, the word is slipping from my mind. Uh, like an integrated, yes, like a naturopathic doctor. That, that's the word I was yes. like, for. thank you. <laughs> um, if you have <laughs> a naturopathic doctor on the team, 
if you can talk to that person about language verbiage um, going forward and again, the, the client's goals. And so sometimes your client does say, well, I do want to be cured and I believe that's possible. I can just uh, drink celery juice only for several months and then I will not have any chronic illness again. And it, we want to get away from black and white thinking like that, but also saying mm-hmm. that you can have celery juice, that's fine, but how we talk about that and how you incorporate that into your life without it being um, a rule to follow, a very strict thing that you are kind of setting yourself up for disappointment. It's, it's a little bit of expectation management while also fostering hope and acceptance. Mm-hmm. That acceptance piece seems crucial because I think, yeah, a little earlier you mentioned like the goal isn't to like get rid of the chronic illness or the autoimmune issue. That may not even be a possibility. Right. And these kind of like wellness traps that sell these like you know, quote unquote, instant cures. And, you know, we're going to get rid of this for you. I imagine that number one, like, again, if I'm putting myself in this person's shoes, like I can see why you would want that, right? Like that would sound, that sounds amazing. Never have to suffer again um, in that way. But then on the other hand, if it's not realistic, we're just setting people up for like this shame and blame cycle, similar to like diet culture and weight loss like 100% you know lose yeah. yeah it's it's makes me so mad that this population is so god it's like so taken advantage of yeah feels like. it, it gets really tricky and the your eating disorder and your chronic illness really they interact with each other so much that they both have the capacity to make each other worse. If you have a chronic illness Mm -hmm. and you are engaging in really strict years, your chronic illness and the way you are disconnected with your body is going to make your chronic illness symptoms worse. If you are interacting with your chronic illness in a way that is more along the lines of obsessive and getting into orthorexia, that's obviously going to make your eating disorder and your body image worse. And so without the knowledge of working with both pieces, it's, it's unfortunately easy to kind of just fall into, well, this is the one solution. I'm only going to do this. And consequentially, that's just going to make the other thing much worse. So Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, it seems so tricky. Um, what have you noticed in terms of body image and folks with chronic illness and autoimmune issues? Uh, people are really, really mad at their bodies. It's not mm-hmm. just there's there's this distrust piece um, that we see in just really body image in general of the disconnect there. And kind of wanting your body to be something different, look something different, but it, it really is different to feel like your body. I mean, the definition of an autoimmune disease is your body is attacking itself. So Mm -hmm. what (laughs) we need more education around this. I mean, clinicians, doctors, we need more I'm not even talking about recovery. Like we need more research about just chronic illness and autoimmune. Like we don't have 
sufficient research other than, oh, your body, your body's attacking itself, but you know, here's how you can manage it. That feels, mm-hmm. that feels terrible to have a doctor say that to you. There's literally nothing we can do. It's your body's fault. It is literally for no reason, just attacking itself. So I want to reject that sentiment and say, I think we need a lot more research to just say that there's literally no reason you are experiencing these symptoms and having clinician after clinician, because that's the thing also is it takes a lot of work, a lot of money, a lot of different doctors to get any diagnosis whatsoever. And sometimes the diagnosis is literally nothing more than a doctor telling you something like that. You can't do anything except for cut out mm-hmm. all of these foods. And so um, we just, we, we need more, but hearing that and the state of, of how it is now, working with that is a lot more complicated and harmful than just working with I wish my body was smaller, which I I don't want to minimize that at all. This is, you know, obviously body image in general, fat phobia in general is, it is traumatic and, you know, people deserve care, but it just goes so far beyond that when a, a clinician is telling you that your body is damaged and it's just your body's fault, period. It's not a virus. It's not, you know, something that you caught. Trauma. So it's it's different (laughs) gosh that I just yeah I mean I think you're so right like we need so much more awareness and education around this and how do you even point a client in the right direction of finding a doctor who is educated and in these issues a little more it's really as of right now trial and error a lot of people get on the internet and they will find their own diagnosis, which we know that can be mm-hmm. <laughs> really harmful, but it, I mean, it, it also is valid because a lot of times doctors, they literally won't give you any answers, which is also really discouraging. But um, I, there's that tweet that has gone viral so many times saying, you know, the doctor, doctors tell you, well, don't mistake your Google search with my doctorate degree or whatever and um the person with the lived experience saying well don't don't you know replace your one class one time in medical school with my 12 years of lived experience with this chronic illness and that's so true because we are Mm -hmm. always trying to find answers and that's really discouraging to always be doing that for yourself um and so unfortunately it's just specific to the person and their symptoms. I think that the process is easier or maybe a little less impactful when you do have support system that's not saying, hey, we've got to find you a cure. What, what is it? What is it going to be this mm-hmm. diet? Is it going to be this cleanse? Is it, you know, is it keto, whatever, which P.S. it's not unless you have epilepsy. <laughs> so it I think that the biggest thing that helps in the process there there really is no answer to say specifically how to find someone who will help you but knowing that the process will be 
maybe a little bit better if you have a good relationship and communication with your support network that says, hey, here are my expectations. I need y'all's expectations to get in line because mine come first. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So really just being a strong like yeah. self-advocate, um, which doesn't seem like it'd be easy to do when you're basically getting gaslighted from the yeah. medical community. It, it's, like It makes you feel it crazy. Seems like- it does. And uh, it's, mm-hmm. it's got to change. I'm hopeful that it'll change. I really am hopeful that it'll change. Mm-hmm. Do you recommend people work with a naturopath or integrative medicine kind of doctor? Like what's, I never know. I always just support yeah. my client with like, you know, the direction they want to go. But yeah, what do you, I what think do you suggest? There's absolutely room for both. There's room for Western medicine. There's room for naturopathic doctors. There's room for uh, like spiritual work. I, I really think there's room for all mm-hmm. of it. A chronic illness is so complex. There's not, there's not one thing that has caused it. It really is a combination of so many different things. And so you deserve to also have complex healing in that and know that there wasn't one thing. This isn't your fault. You didn't do this to yourself. You don't deserve to be sick. You don't deserve to have to have all these hoops to jump through. And yeah, it's just whatever opportunity you have to explore, if it's a, well, I mean, a lot of it is inaccessible. Again, always have to state that. But if you have access to explore different avenues, I think that's great. And I think that all of them kind of can work together if you have practitioners on the team who aren't all or nothing thinking as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that want to put the client's needs and yeah. wishes first and not like their yeah, own agenda. For sure. That's super helpful. Yeah. And it makes sense. Like it's a complex um, situation and it's not going to be just one person's perspective. It's going to take a team and like a holistic approach from all these kind of different avenues to just figure out what works best for this individual. I I also, I really believe in the power of community healing as well. So plugging into any community that feels like they also have lived experiences that that is really healing as well. And they can provide a lot of answers to you to not, maybe not answers per se, but at least, you know, things that worked for them. And I will say no person with chronic illness wants unsolicited advice as if they haven't tried literally everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when it is yeah. your choice in our community, that's, has, you know, other lived experiences and voices to listen to and things to offer, that feels a lot different. And that can be a source of healing as well. Yeah, that's a great recommendation just to get validation too, and from all the gaslighting and misinformation. So kind of circling back to body image, um, when we talked about like some of the challenges um, in terms of body image with chronic illness and autoimmune um, issues in terms of healing. Like what would you tell my listeners in terms of like, just 
a couple of things they could do maybe to start the healing um, process in terms of body image and how might that look different than traditional body image treatment? I think I always go back to you, you know what's best for you. Even if you don't know it right now, you have the capacity to learn what is best for you. And the answer is already within you. You already have access to it, which that can get tricky. But just just as a sentiment, you can come back to yourself and always find more answers. We can always be more in tune with ourselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I am a certified DBT clinician. So I love DBT and the mindfulness aspect that it offers. Um, so I do really, really love all different types of mindfulness, um, that it just is, it's taking away the, the physical aspect of it almost and saying that I'm a human. And that means more than my, me physically looking in the mirror right now. I'm a human and my body mm-hmm. is here for a lot of different purposes, but connecting with your internal system is crucial to me personally. So, mm-hmm. so really building that like connection yeah. to your body and uh, build, fostering that inherent intuition we all have, but that, you know, going through these kinds of challenges definitely take people away yeah. from. Yeah, it feels like every avenue is wanting us to be disconnected from our body and in whatever sense. Mm-hmm. And so I really, I think that it's a radical act to to connect with it and say, even if I'm sick, even if I'm suffering, even if I'm in pain, even if I hate my body, even if I hate how my body looks, coming back to saying that you are always going to be more than that though. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And like, how can I treat myself with kindness and care, even though I'm yeah. sick or ill or in pain? It's like, it's so similar to, you know, just recovery in general. I think it's all a process of kind of coming home to ourselves and becoming that inner parent that we yeah. all need. Um it seems like it's similar yeah, to that. For sure. I love I love that connection as well. One of um, the other focus areas I know we wanted to touch on, just because it's so interesting and prevalent, um, is that you focus on media yeah. trauma. Um, can you tell us a little bit about that? I feel that? like it's a little bit of a, a good segue because in talking about being disconnected from your body, um, a, a more general sense of media trauma is really just acknowledging that anything that happens on media, we in real life, when there's a trauma that's happening physically, our body has a chance to process that, whatever that may look like for us, whether that's crying, yelling, getting support, asking questions, those sorts of things. We, we have the opportunity for our body to physically release that trauma in in various ways and when we're talking about media trauma we're saying that we don't have the opportunity to do that 
We are on media in so many different ways, so many different categories of media, not, not just social media, but we're consuming things that don't give us a chance to release any of the trauma for, from our body. And so being disconnected from your body and being in media, it and, and so media is also very much discouraging us from being connected to our body. Um, but we can gain awareness and use media differently. It doesn't have to be this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's such an important, gosh, it sounds like you could do a whole other podcast <laughs> yeah, on I'm that. Yeah, totally <laughs> up for that. But yeah, I think what you're saying makes so much sense. It absolutely can disconnects us from our body. And it's, especially during this time of COVID, when we're so isolated, I think for a lot of us, social media has become like a band-aid to oh, the yeah. isolation, oh, yeah. but then it's still disconnecting us. Like I've noticed personally, my mind feels more cluttered than yes, ever. I totally <laughs> agree. I think it's just like information <laughs> overload. And at the same time, it is a community in a way and it helps the isolation, but yeah, it seems like balance is just yeah, super key there. Both things. It it feels like uh, just another example of a cycle of we have a problem, we try to do something about it. The thing that we're doing makes the initial problem worse. <laughs> so we are disconnected mm-hmm. from everyone. We feel isolated. So we try to connect through so- social media. We realize that it feels like every particle in our body is just buzzing because we have no idea what's going on. We don't have that opportunity that we do in real life to express emotions and body language in, in the same way. It, I mean, it's different. And so it then makes us feel more disconnected because we're not getting all of the cues that we usually do. But I mean, I am, I am on mm-hmm. social media. So I just, I want to clarify, I'm, I understand some people, for some people, it is beneficial for it to kind of just be like, I never want to be on media again. I don't want to be on social media again. I only want to use this sort of media. That's fine. But there's room for us to acknowledge like the nuance there and say, okay, but I'm still going to use social media. I just know kind of what it's, what it has the opportunity to do to me or for me. Mm-hmm. Right. And like, when is it disconnecting me? And when is yes. it connecting Always me? Always looking at um, the intentions of why you're scrolling, for sure. Yes, that <laughs> scroll is, <laughs> it's, can be so bad. Um, yeah, this week, I've tried really hard to, before I reach for my phone in the morning, I'm going on my balcony, taking a fresh breath of air, um, making my coffee, like, tuning into my needs before reaching for the phone because it's just so easy to grab your phone lay in bed scroll but then you're just starting the day off disconnected from yourself yeah and that's a great practice it's it's different for everybody but I mean usually to not look at your phone literally as soon as your eyes open in the morning (laughs) but you know I'm guilty of that sometimes it's it just kind of we're here and we're still in a pandemic. So 
Yes, exactly. And it, there's so many great things yeah. like we met through social media, you know, like there's so many awesome things about it. But yeah, it's just with anything, yeah. boundaries and balance. But yeah, you you all should really stay tuned because I think we're <laughs> going to do another episode on music trauma. But now you yeah. have a little overview. Um, thank you so much for being here today, Lacey. Um, one last question. When you hear the term body justice, what does it mean to you? And what do we need to do as a profession to work towards this in the recovery yes, community? I love this question. I'm so glad. Um, I mean, I love everything you're doing, but I love that this question is coming from you. So in body justice, what I think of is body autonomy, health autonomy, accessibility, understanding, awareness, all of these things really that we've been talking about. But to me, I, I talk about health autonomy in a way that you just, you really deserve to define what health looks like for you. You really deserve that. You deserve the right to choose something different for your life that doesn't have to look like green smoothies and uh, acai every day like you really don't have to do that and that feels like a (laughs) a silly example but really anything it you deserve to have autonomy over your life in every way including health and so I think that that is just Mm -hmm. so tied to the body so yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely that's wonderful couldn't agree more um, where can listeners find you if they want to connect with you yeah, and just check out you your can work? Follow me on Instagram. It's at Lacey Rayleigh Therapy. Um, I just, um, I am on Clubhouse, but I really don't know how it works. We're like trying, <laughs> I'm trying <laughs> to be on Clubhouse. Um, so that's also Lacey Rayleigh. I think it's just Lacey Rayleigh, not Lacey Rayleigh Therapy, but that's it. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah, everyone seems to be jumping on the clubhouse um, game. And I'm just like, I don't think I can do another (laughs) media thing. Clubhouse does feel like the only um, social media that forces you to actually connect with people, I will say, because you have to talk to them. Yeah. (laughs) I think that's what makes it intimidating to me. I'm like, that's yes. a lot of talking yes, I totally on. agree. I absolutely support you if you never want to get on. <laughs> I think it's so cool that you're there though. Um seems like a great platform to just have like yeah. genuine conversation. Well, thank you so much, Lacey. I've really enjoyed this and I'm just so grateful you joined today to bring awareness to this super important um, marginalized identity of having a chronic illness or autoimmune issue and doing recovery. I think it's wonderful well, to just hear you your input. Thank you so much for having me. And I enjoyed it so much too. I can't wait to talk about media trauma. <laughs> yes, I will okay. be in touch with you to schedule that because that's going to be awesome. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Bye. If you guys are enjoying my content, I would love for you to consider sponsoring my work. 
Now I know this sounds like super fancy, but it's really not. It just means subscribing to a monthly donation for my content, as little as 99 cents. Um, anything helps me in order to continue taking the time to create wonderful content for you all. I really put my heart and soul into this work. Um, so there will be a link in the show notes on how to do this. And of course you could cancel at any time. Um, thanks so much as always for tuning in today and to yet another episode of Body Justice. <laughs>